Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. New Japan's two-night new beginning in Sapporo featured a wild intercontinental match between Naito and Tai Chi, while Jay White continued to torment Tanahashi. We will talk about both shows. The Super Bowl wasn't the only big event in Atlanta last weekend, and much like the big game, come hell or high water, started slow before their big finish. We also look in on Major League Wrestling for the first time and give our opinions on the promotion, and we dissect the interaction between Becky and Steph on Raw, plus more big AEW news, which will be part of our Heads and Tails segment that includes listener opinions of the promotion. That's all next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined as I am every week by my co-host, Paul. Here I am. Yeah, that was an aggressive, like, thumb point and speaking of your name. Yes, but... luckily you didn't take out my left eye. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got so much to talk about. Lots of fun things that we can point our fingers at that were really fun and really cool points of this past week of wrestling. We also have a general discussion about AEW as well coming up in our second segment. But before we get to all that, want to plug our social media. Where can people find us, Paul? Uh, you can find us at Two Face Pod on Twitter or TwoFacePod.com. And, of course, you've got your own social media as well where you put out all sorts of different things. Yep, you can find me, especially on Twitter, at SuperKickingIt. Of course, I did not do the poll where I give you guys the power to pick my T-shirt. I always say I'm going to do this poll, but I swear I'm going to get back to it when we're not having an insanely packed week. I we wouldn't say of... this week was insanely packed. I think you, you just dropped the ball. No, I did not drop the ball. We had a lot of discussions on uh, my Twitter, so I didn't get to put that poll up. Mm-hmm. There was other discussions going Lots on. Lots of excuses. Whatever. Good thing we didn't bet on it. That's all we have <laughs> to say. And speaking of betting, let's uh, talk about our good friends at MyBookie.ag. Yep, Raphael and uh, MyBookie.ag. He, uh, he, 
con- consulted us on some uh, crossover prop bets this past week between the Super Bowl and Halftime Heat. And we'll be talking about Halftime Heat in a bit, but make sure you te- check them out, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code KICKIT to support our show. And we also want to thank our friends at St. Arnold, as uh, we've talked about, but want to mention again, big event coming up a week from Sunday at the brewery. Yes, February 17th, if you guys are in the Houston area, come meet us. We'll be doing a live podcast, but even cooler than just doing a live podcast, more importantly, we'll be interacting with people who show up to the beer garden, and that starts at 2.30. So show up there around 2.30. You get to meet us, talk to us, and there'll be cool giveaways too. Yep, uh, we would imagine there's going to be a lot of fans who are already based in Houston, but also others that come in for the Elimination Chamber, especially with it being a historic event. And so go to that historic event, but before you do, go to the historic event with us. Yeah. Pretty pretty big deal, and we're happy that uh, Lenny and everybody at St. Arnold, happy to have us, and we're looking forward to it. Very much so. And if you guys can't attend, remember, you can watch us on Wrestling Inc., so stay tuned to WrestlingInc.com and at Wrestling Inc. on Twitter and Facebook for more updates on how to watch us live on that day before Elimination Chamber. But now let's get into all the news and all the shows we watched, because, man, we watched a ton of shows. We watched MLW for the first time, but before we get to that, let's talk about some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yep, it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. Yeah, in that New Japan show, it was a two-night Event, new beginning at Sapporo. Uh, a lot of interesting things. Uh, we got to see our guy Suzuki in a couple different matches. He had a singles match against Sonata, and then uh, he was involved in the tag team match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. against Sonata and Evil for those heavyweight tag team belts. What I think they did well was they left it kind of up in the air with who was going to win on the second night when they had the tag team match. And how they did that was they allowed... Suzuki to win his singles match against Sonata, and then they allowed Evil to win his singles match against Zack Sabre Jr. I like that because if if both Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. would have won their singles matches, I would have assumed they would have lost the tag team match against Evil and Sonata the next night. But this kind of left it open, at least for me, booking-wise, I think it was a smart move. Kind of like they were going into the tag match almost tied, you know, mm-hmm. where... They almost had equal playing ground, if you will. And so when we got into that match, I really loved it. But I don't like the outcome (laughs) because, well, one, it was a very LIJ heavy night on night two of the Sapporo show because LIJ was dominant and victorious in every match they were involved with. And that was like the last three matches of the show. And I feel like if anybody would have won that wasn't LIJ, I think it would have been perfect if Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. would have won the tag belts that night because... It would have changed it up a little bit. It would have made the division a little more exciting right now. Because I feel like Evil and Sonata have held it for a while. Mm-hmm. And to me, I just want to see someone else hold it. And yeah, I know that Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. don't technically need it because they are the Rev Pro tag team title holders. But I think that they could have used it in Japan. It would have made them a little higher up. And I think it would have given them some prominence there again. Yeah, yeah, it would have made things interesting. Like you said, Evil and Sonata, I mean, look, they're back-to-back World Tag League title holders. They've held the belts for a while. It would have been interesting to see. But I thought there were some funny moments both nights. Uh, I, I loved the first night when Suzuki was uh, 
going against Sonata, and Sonata has Suzuki in the Paradise Lock, and he's posing almost Captain Morgan style with his back, foot on the back mm-hmm. as Suzuki. I thought that was funny. Uh, and then Suzuki just manhandling the ref after he had uh, piled all the stuff on Sonata, and he grabs a hold of the ref like he's going to kill him, and then he lets go and kind of straightens out his shirt and that evilly smiles at him. And then the next night, Suzuki piles all the railing on top of evil and chairs and everything, and that was <laughs> he's just throwing the chairs violently. So great moments in both nights with Suzuki that I thought were really entertaining. I mean, heck, what is Suzuki involved with that isn't entertaining? Well, that's true. I mean, he's good in everything. He can make a multi-man match, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. He could make like a crowded match really entertaining. He could find a special moment and make it something more and make the whole match shine because of that little moment that he did. He just He's good at doing little touches into a match and making something out of hardly anything. Well, I like that about him. And that's why he could have been a great <laughs> tag champ with Zack Sabre Jr. They've got great chemistry. Yes, I know, as I said a few minutes ago, they are the Rev Pro tag team title holders, but this would have been a little more fresh. It would freshen things up, make things really exciting, and make Suzuki Gun kind of like a force to be reckoned with instead of just... I know they're trying to probably elevate LIJ right mm-hmm. now and yep. keep them dominant in the best faction right now. But I don't know. Yeah. Come on, give Suzuki a belt, man. Yeah, I mean, LIJ's got the junior heavyweight tag team and uh, heavyweight tag team belt. And then we'll get to what happened in the Intercontinental match with Naito. The first night, Jay White and Fale go against Okada and Tanahashi. And we'll get to the Jay White part in a moment. But we talked about it, and they seem to make some illusions during the match about maybe a potential tag team down the road with Okada and Tanahashi because of the chemistry between them. What what are your thoughts on that? I I think it would be interesting, especially since they had that long rivalry, but they they do seem to have chemistry together. Well, they do, and I think if it wasn't for Tanahashi being the IWGP heavyweight champion, I could definitely see him being in a full-time tag team with Okada for a little while. And... That would have even made it more interesting if Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. were the IWGP heavyweight right. title holders because they could have a great match against Okada and Tanahashi. How amazing would that be down the line? So to me, I want to see them form a tag team. That'd be awesome. But what makes it not make sense is Tanahashi being the champ right now. The only way it would make sense for them to kind of be in title contention in the tag division would be if Jay White beats him. Now, let's segue into that <laughs> right, for a second. Exactly. I feel like... Jay White isn't going to win, and I actually thought, yes, he will definitely win, like a week or two ago. Right, I did But too. after we watch these shows, I'm thinking it's less and less likely, because he looks so dominant in these shows, and also on commentary, they were painting him like there was no way that Tanahashi could overcome the dominance of Jay White. The Switchblade era is taking over New Japan. That's how they're painting it on commentary. Like, Tanahashi has no chance of overcoming him, and look how... He's already dominating him, and just they were kind of driving it into the ground, so much so that it made me think, well, they're not going to bury Tanahashi. Right. They're not going to make him lose three times in a row, but if they do, what a statement that would be for Jay White. I just don't see that happening, though, since he was so dominant these last two shows. Yeah, I guess my other thing would be, is it too quick for, you know, I mean, this Jay White character, you know, and this, this dominant character really has only gone for a year and so I'm not sure that they'll give him the belt, but they certainly have made it seem like he's the dominant character and he's going to win, which always makes me think, as a longtime wrestling watcher, that 
as you lead to a pay-per-view. If it seems like somebody's going to dominate, that means they're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of accustomed to the WWE way of right. things, which is lose-lose, then you go around and win. Right. Or win-win, and then you go and lose. So to me, we're like thinking in a WWE way, which we don't... We shouldn't necessarily be thinking that way. And I'm going to combat my own statement <laughs> and take the other view and other argument and say, but you know, it's not too soon technically for Jay White to beat Tanahashi. He just beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. And let's look all the way back when the Switchblade character in general started. He had that match against Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom last year. And although he didn't win, now maybe it is his time to win. And he beat Tanahashi in the G1. So, I don't know. It's it, it's a fascinating match, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to it, too. And I feel like it almost makes sense if Jay White wins. I know right now they want somebody prominent who can draw for the company. But I think Jay White has proven himself as a good draw and as a great character right now. And also, I just feel like they shouldn't be over-reliant on Tanahashi. Mm -hmm. as the ace. I'd like to see something fresh and new and have Jay White. That would shake a lot of storylines up in New Japan if he really did end up beating Tanahashi. I know that would really kind of make him seem super dominant the last month, and I don't know if that would hurt Tanahashi's appearance, you know, how he mm -hmm. comes off so strong, but I don't know. I think it'd be a risk that they should take. It'd be something new, a, a nice new direction. We'll see, and... Uh... You know, Okada goes against Fale individually as well, and that show is uh, on February 11th. We'll, of course, talk all about it next week. Well, let's talk about the one other significant match, title match, Tai Chi versus Naito. I know we said it a couple weeks ago. I think the new aggressive Tai Chi has, has made him a, a little more of an interesting character. And this match got off to such a weird start. It was really kind of captivating, although it seemed like it took forever uh, Iska comes out, attacks Naito with the ladder. The young lions end up taking Naito to the back. Not just taking him, like carrying <laughs> yeah, a him A limp, on... lifeless body, yeah. Yeah, he, <laughs> they carried him on his back right. and like left the arena. And then like it, it felt like 15 minutes. It yeah. felt like forever passed by. And they were like, what's going to happen? Are they going to say that you know Naito can't compete? Kevin Kelly was like, make a decision. <laughs> Come on. So I saw a lot of different opinions on this online some people were like oh it's definitely too long other people were like it was a fun and entertaining match once it got going other people were like i still don't like tai chi i still don't see anything <laughs> i like from him so people were actually a lot more negative about the match than i thought they would be because once the match got going and we got past that insanely long weird 15 right. minute period where they didn't kind of say right away that naito would be competing and naito came out once we got past that, I thought it was a decent and fun match. I, I actually wrote down that it was a fantastic match. It had all of the elements that you'd expect. Naito using the mic stand, Tai Chi uh, using a chair. Uh, there was the brutal spot of Naito doing the uh, pile driver through the table to the floor uh, where it looked like Tai Chi's head bounced off the floor. That was an awesome spot. I thought it was. I, I mean, I, and I thought I thought it was a really good match. And again, well, so did I. I I've turned the corner a little bit on Tai Chi just because of the last month or so. Well, you know, I'm not one to praise Tai Chi at all. I still don't like <laughs> him. I still hate that freaking microphone. <laughs> Get that flipping microphone out of here. Stop fake singing into it. I don't like it. But I, even with all that, I thought it was a good match. Yet people online were like, "Eh, he's still nothing special." And eh, the match was all right. Really, nothing really too spectacular. And they thought it was weird. 
I just think it's funny. It's like, am I watching the same thing as most other people? Well, this is why wrestling's great, though. I know. It, I like it. Because a, a group of like-minded people could could watch a, a show or different opinion people, either way, and take something different from it. And we'll, we'll have a very similar t- discussion like that when we get to WWE in a bit. Yeah, and what I was going to say is... I'm more apt to believe that statement towards WWE, mm-hmm. like, am I watching the same thing as everyone else? Because my opinions differ a lot more on that than New Japan Pro Wrestling. But even so, I kind of felt that way with this Tai Chi thing, because I thought it was actually pretty entertaining, and other people were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> but like you said, that's what it makes it really entertaining, though, to be a fan, and it's such a unique thing. With any sport or with any form of entertainment, there's disagreements and uh, people with different opinions. But with wrestling, it just seems like there's such an insane amount of differences of opinion. (laughs) But I like that. And like we always say, it's okay to agree to disagree. That's my motto. I'll preach it every week. And now onwards. (laughs) Naito ended up uh, retaining with a couple of, well, low blow and then a couple of destinos as LIJ dominates the night and uh, really has a stranglehold on a bunch of the belts. All right, switching back stateside now. The Super Bowl was in Atlanta on Sunday, but they had a big wrestling show on Friday, an independent show called Come Hell or High Water. And I'll say that I was mixed on this show. I'll admit I was negative at least, uh, you know, the first half of the show, if not first 60% of the show. Mixed? You were so negative it was almost unbearable. It was like me watching WWE or something. It was crazy, but I got to say you had some valid points and some valid criticisms that I too found a little hard to kind of get over. Those some of the faults of the show like commentary for instance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'll, like I I will I will give kudos like Joey Janela talked about, you know, in matches how when he he's thrown down you know, how he protects his head because concussions are important. That part of it, he, you know, the show was really good broadcasting-wise. But at the same time, sometimes the announcing was just painful to listen to. They tried to do these little sports references, but they it was like they didn't completely know sports. You know, at one point they said, oh, he punted him like Adam Vinatieri, except Adam Vinatieri is a kicker, not a punter. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, and he said that there were two Canadian teams with the same name, and, you know, Canadian football's weird, but the thing is, there was two Canadian teams with the same name, not anymore. They fixed that and changed one of the team names, Yeah, it's... so that was inaccurate. <laughs> it's not how it currently is no, right now. No, no. Um... Also, Joey Janela kept using this weird voice on commentary. Yeah. Near the end, he started to do this voice, and he kept doing it. He's like, <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't do it at all. It was funny at first, but then he kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Like, stop using the voice. I don't even know what the voice is. But And the funny thing is, I love Joey Janela. Like, he's had these great spots on mm-hmm. Being the Elite recently. They're like, what is Joey Janela up to now? There's this one where he's, like, waving around these cards, and he's like, magic. <laughs> and, like, this wand turns into a face snake and he's like doing this weird like dancing move i don't know those little bits have been hilarious to me but i feel like he wasn't as funny on commentary but he was kind of trying to be or he was just trying to get through it because there's one point where they're they're telling them to say goodbye they're all not standing up like they're like get up get up uh christopher daniels goes over or was it frankie kazarian one of them goes over to shake their hands knocks over a camera so yeah they cut to the camera and like it's knocked over, but they made a joke out of it. Joey Janela's trying not to laugh. He's, like, scrolling on his phone. And <laughs> once he knocked over the camera, he was just, like, holding his mouth. <laughs> Another point where he almost laughed, and we'll talk about this a little later, is uh, that crazy Phoenix spot where right. he messed up and overshot 
when he jumped outside right. of the ring. Right. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, he was totally laughing at that. Joey Janela, I love him. But on commentary, it was a little crazy. Better, better wrestler than commentator, that's for sure. Joey Janela, we love in the ring, though. Uh, early in the show, the one thing I, I did want to talk about was the uh, appearance of Ricky Starks, who we knew a little bit about. But I loved them playing off the fact that they were, the show was in Atlanta and you know he's from New Orleans and they played off the Saints hate. And yes. you've actually seen him in New Orleans. He, he, he's a really talented but longtime wrestler. The, the cool thing is, I remembered him right away. I actually saw him again earlier in 2018 at NWA 70's show. He was a part of that show, and I was like, that guy looks familiar. And I Googled him, and I was like, oh yeah, he wrestled for Wildcat Wrestling, which is the promotion here in New Orleans. And this might have been my first wrestling show, even before I went to WrestleMania. I can't remember if this was even before that, but WrestleMania 30, I'm referencing, that was my first technical wrestling show. He was very charismatic, and I remember being like, this guy's really entertaining. And it's funny, you can't really define charisma, but I feel like he definitely has it, but he's never, like, you know, really gotten to the heights that he probably could, you know. He is a little over the top and almost, like, maybe two rated R in some ways. Cause you know, they did pull down his tights and you rolled your eyes at that. I didn't like that spot either, but he does have some kind of charisma that you can't define. I think that's, that's where I'm like, and again, it's not like I'm a goody two shoes, but it was just, they, he gets his tights pulled down and then he does this flying bear ass into Ethan page. And I don't know. It just, that part was, I'm like, this is terrible. And then, then later there was Team Joey versus Team Texas. And I look. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Here comes the, get off my lawn. <laughs> look, you can, you can say whatever you want. I know Joey Ryan's a good wrestler. When I've seen him actually wrestle, he's fantastic. The whole gimmick, I can't stand. I can't stand the King of Dong style. I can't stand any <laughs> of it. And then this whole Team Texas versus Team Joey where they're all doing the bit. And the wrestling itself in that match was terrible. And I believe my exact words were, this is effing torture. (laughs) (laughs) It was your exact phrase, yes. Uh, You were so mad. Just all sorts of dumb gimmicks and bad. The wrestling wasn't even good. Like, I can even deal with the gimmicks a little bit. If the wrestling was good, but the wrestling was terrible in that match. And I, so, look, people can write in and comment and, and say whatever. I, I Again, that's fine. I can take it. I'm just telling you, as I was sitting there watching it and knowing that Joey Ryan is a good wrestler, it, the whole match was painful for me to watch. Well, I'm going to agree with part of what you said and disagree with another part. So I don't mind the Joey Ryan character And it's because, to me, there's a place for everything in wrestling. There's a place for absurdist comedy wrestling. Then there's, like, a little bit more subtle comedy wrestling. There is a place for high spots. There's a place for mat wrestling. To me, wrestling is an art. I say this all the time. (laughs) There's many different ways you can kind of convey that art if you are a wrestler. There's many different ways to portray it to the audience. And it's all about what works for you, what gets you over, and what connects to the audience. If the audience hated it, he would have stopped doing it by now. But obviously there's a section of the <laughs> well, audience yeah. who loves this Joey Ryan gimmick. I'm perfectly okay with it. Is it my favorite gimmick ever? No. But it's not my least favorite either. I mean, I'm okay with it. What I agree with you on is that the match was pretty bad wrestling-wise. Having said that I enjoyed Joey's gimmick, I did not enjoy 
the chemistry and the sequences in the match. I felt like parts were sloppy. I felt like Joey Ryan wasn't even the type of level that he's on usually is much higher mm-hmm. than what I, I saw in that match. Absolutely. So to me, even with the whole gimmick thing that he does, doing the toss, I don't even want to call it by its name because we're supposed to be PG. <laughs> so to me, it just all that wasn't as good as it usually is for him. So normally it's better. Right now, in this match, I did not like it. So I will agree with you on that. It could have been way better. Went on far too long, too. Yes. That match... Might have been the longest match it felt like on the card, and it just dragged. I would have liked to have seen some of the later matches like Scorpio Sky and MJF go longer. Let's transition into that for a second. As soon as those type of guys started coming out, much your, better. <laughs> your AEW guys, it's like the feeling in the room changed. Mm-hmm. There's something special about these guys. A lot of people are saying AEW is overhyped, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk greatly in depth about AEW and people's opinions, whether they're sick of it or excited for it doesn't matter. You can't deny that there's something special about this group. All of them just have kind of a charisma, like I said about Ricky Starks. There's something that when they walk into a room, the room gets excited. There's electricity in the air. You can just feel something changes. That happened when, you know, Cody Rhodes came out. Then later, Scorpio Sky, the Bucks. That's when, like, the show kind of changed and, like, I think got a little elevated. I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been a good show otherwise, but the main events had a lot to make up for for the earlier part of the card. And when the AEW guys came out, it really helped to elevate the whole show. Well, I made the analogy at the beginning of the show. Much like the Super Bowl, it was painful, the Super Bowl, to watch for three quarters. I thought this show was kind of hard to watch for about three quarters. But once you got into that triple threat tag team match that had uh, Ken Shamrock in it, and then you got to the MJF Scorpio Sky match, then the show just went to a different level, and it was so much better. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. That's when they kind of amped it up. Mm -hmm. And I think the roster probably got excited and jazzed up. And the the crowd got jazzed up, too, as soon as, like, the AEW guys came out. And it started kind of after the Joey Ryan match. And then even further, it was awesome to see Shamrock back. Mm -hmm. He did great in his return match, I think. Yep. Uh, And then, uh, obviously, well, in that MJF-Scorpio Sky match, MJF, of course, won by cheating after Scorpio Sky hit 10 straight body slams, which I thought was pretty impressive. You know, I mean, he's in great shape, but still, you know, to keep picking up a guy and throwing him down and MJF keeps getting up, I thought that was pretty good. I've said this before, but one of the best things to come out of being the elite was Scorpio Sky getting over to the heights he's gotten over with SCU and with being the elite this past year in 2018 and now into 2019. I think that he probably wouldn't have gotten over on his own. Not that he doesn't have an awesome personality and amazing wrestling skills. It's just like, how would they have made him shine or allow him to shine? He might not have gotten the chance or the time or the right type of promo or interview opportunity, but being the elite gave him a great platform to elevate himself. And you could see in this match what a great wrestler he is. And he's got a personality too on top of it. And speaking of personality, his opponent in the match, MJF, just oozing (laughs) with kind of like a egotistical charisma and I know we're using that word a lot but there's so many guys involved in the promotion that have such a high level of charisma and that's something that you can't just define you either have it or you don't and these guys do and I love how that you know MJF won by cheating they're kind of working in the storylines of being the elite into their matches and the whole storyline is that MJF is coming off like he's a great guy in front of Cody but behind Cody's back he's being mean to every other member of AEW like the Bucks like Scorpio Sky 
you know, Kaz and Christopher Daniels, hey, et cetera. Man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of MJF, you know, we were really exposed to him at a Wrestle Circus show. That was the first time we ever saw him, and then we got a chance to talk to him at All In yeah. during StarCast. And he, you know, it's funny, you talk to other people, and sometimes they just talk, you know. He never left character for one second of it, of the cocky routine, which was funny, too. Well, he did leave it for one second when he said thank you after, you know. Well, I was that's... like, thank you. He's like, thank you. <laughs> and then he, he, he was really suave right, right then when he was leaving. But, yeah, for most of the whole time. And he was going down the whole aisle of Podcast Row, messing with people, mm -hmm. knocking off their hats, just being, like, smarmy and awesome. <laughs> uh, we'll conclude the Come Hell or High Water discussion with the highlight of the night. Lucha Brothers versus SEU, and you mentioned that that Joey Ryan match went too long. Felt like it took away from this match a little yeah. bit, which didn't go as long. You alluded to it a moment ago. Uh, Phoenix goes flying over the top rope to take out Kazarian. Kazarian ducks a little bit, and Phoenix goes flying into the crowd. You know who I blame? That ref. There was a ref who crossed <laughs> over into Phoenix's path as he was running the ropes before he was about to leap out of the ring. I think the ref kind of threw him off, and maybe he did kind of like an extra sprint to the other side, like one more, you know, back and forth before he jumped out. Maybe that extra back and forth because of that darn ref was the reason he overshot it. I don't know. It was a little scary. I'm glad he was okay, but, you know, commentary didn't do much to hide it. They were like, oh! <laughs> oh, and you could you could hear Joey Janela holding his mouth like he was trying not to laugh. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, Lucha Brothers won, but that's not the significant part. As soon as they win, Young Bucks music hits. Place goes insane. Yeah. Uh, Matt and Nick come out, and I like this not line from Matt. He said to the Lucha Brothers, "You guys are the second best tag team in the world." <laughs> yeah, and then you know. Phoenix and Pentagon were insulted. And they're like, hey, hey, we get it. You know, you want to be known as number one, but why don't you come wrestle for AEW? We don't have any contracts, but how about an old school handshake? Let's just settle on that. Before anybody could shake anybody's hands, there was a beatdown from other guys from the previous match. They come out and they beat up the Young Bucks, and then, of course, Cody and Hangman come out, and everybody comes out, SCU, to help clear out the attackers and get them out of the way. And to save the Bucks and Pentagon and Phoenix. And it ends with all of them in the ring hugging and holding their hands up. Then at the rally, we actually learned that they did join SCU and the Young Bucks and officially signed with AEW. That would uh, certainly make for some great matches between SCU, Lucha Brothers, and the Young Bucks. Now, speaking of the Lucha Brothers, changing gears to a different promotion, Major League Wrestling. Those guys were on the show the next night. Uh, as the champions of MLW going against the Hart Foundation. First time we've watched Major League Wrestling, and we were impressed right off by the TV production and, and, and the presentation. Let me just say, I like the TV production aspect even more so than what I have seen from Impact. Mm -hmm. Like, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, Impact's got a great roster, they're improving, they're improving, but I never liked Impact's newsy style. I always thought it was kind of off-putting and I don't like the interview style there's just little aspects that I don't like I did like some of their video packages that had kind of like a cinematic element to it but MLW just had a very crisp and clean I don't know how else to say it their presentation was just very straightforward and clean and kind of like a classic wrestling type of presentation where it wasn't too newsy but it wasn't too uh entertainment heavy either 
You know what I mean? Yep. It kind of was like a perfect balance and just kind of like straightforward. That's all I could say. And I liked it. My only complaint was I wasn't really sure who was supposed to be the play-by-play guy because Matt Stryker did a lot of it. But it felt like the other guy, which I don't even know what his name was, should have been the play-by-play guy. And the former wrestler, Matt Stryker, should have been the analyst as he's been back on WWE. And I think he was on NXT for a while maybe as well. Um that was the only thing that was a little because they kind of stepped all over each other, much like Michael Cole steps all over Renee Young a lot. Mm-hmm. It kind of had that sense. That was my only complaint, but I thought it was really well done. And there were two title matches on the show: uh, the Hart Foundation versus Lucha Brothers. Obviously, we know some, or I know some of the Hart Foundation. I had not seen them as a whole, so for people who don't know who the Hart Foundation, tell them who it is. Okay, so we got Teddy Hart, and then we've got. One of my favorite guys right now, because I think he's somebody to watch out for, Flying Brian Jr., a.k.a. Brian Pillman Jr. If you don't know about him, he's obviously Brian Pillman's son. Mm -hmm. He looks just like him. Mm -hmm. And he's got definitely a great personality. You could tell that right off the bat. He was kind of like the hype guy. I liked that a lot about him. He wasn't involved in the match. But then you also have... Davy Boy Smith Jr., and he was great, too. Obviously, we know him from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Very big, powerful guy. The thing that stuck out to me in the match was Teddy Hart's moonsault. So beautiful, mm-hmm. very high, like yep. insanely high up in the air. He got a lot of but air. effortless looking. Yes, like <laughs> he didn't do anything. But like I said, the team chemistry really was my favorite part of the whole thing. And of course, they took on the Lucha Brothers, so we're seeing them again after that Come Hell or High Water show. And they are always awesome. So I really just liked the sequences back and forth. There were some great high flying moves and some hard-hitting sequences. I liked that a lot. But really, I think it was more about the personalities. I had never seen that version of the Heart Foundation together, but it makes sense. A cool thing that I saw online, Brian Pillman Jr. is kind of wearing a shirt that says Kingdom Hearts. If you guys know about that, it's a video game, Kingdom Hearts. So he was doing like a play on words, and the shirt was really, really cool. It had like a whole bunch of people on it. And I really like this version. I think it's kind of cool what they're doing. They're paying homage to their family and their friends and old school Heart Foundation, but doing it in like a new, cool way for this new generation of fans. I like it. And of course, after the match... The Hart Foundation had an interaction with a guy who also was at Come Hell or High Water. Yeah, MJF. And I really loved his interaction with them because usually you're used to MJF having the upper hand and like kind of coming off as really cocky and arrogant. And he usually kind of ends the conversation with a smarmy insult and walks away. It wasn't like that. Teddy Hart was kind of ripping him apart in this like promo type of segment and he said we own this promotion you are a guy who didn't have the balls to stay so go join the elite get the hell out of our face before it turns into a street fight and then they sprayed champagne on him and he walked away like you never see mjf get owned like that recently i mean you have been seeing him like i said being the smarmy guy who walks away confident and insulting everybody so this was kind of like a change of events and um that was kind of crazy and the whole aew thing what does that mean for MLW, you know, are they going to be missing a lot of people? Because, you know, we saw that with Pentagon and Phoenix. They got approached by the Bucks. Then MJF, we know he's a part of AEW officially. And then also, the whole show ended with a promo saying that Jimmy Havoc was coming back to MLW. That's really exciting. But then a few days later, we found out Jimmy Havoc's also joining AEW. So what does all this mean for MLW? Are they losing talent? Somebody tweeted the 
guy behind MLW, his name's Court, they asked him, is Jimmy Havoc still going to be in MLW? What does this mean? Like, him joining AEW? Does it scratch him coming back to the company? And Court Bauer quote tweeted it and said, this is 2019. Think differently. He's still going to be at MLW. So what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to have a partnership? I don't know. Only time will tell. And we'll talk a lot more about AEW in the next segment. We will. Finally, the title match that night, Loki, who had I think they said they had had the belt since like 2004 or something insane, uh, dropped it to Filthy Tom Lawler, who I didn't know anything about till, uh, before watching that Come Hell or High Water show. Yeah, he seems to be like kind of like a very hard-hitting wrestler. And low-key, you know, because I haven't been keeping up with MLW. I'd never seen it before. The last thing I remember from him is when I had my Wrestle Kingdom Marathon a couple of years ago, I watched him in an amazing triple threat match at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe it was seven, and he had an awesome match. It was him, Prince Devitt, who we now know as Finn Balor, against Abushi, and it was an amazing match. So if you guys haven't seen that triple threat match, go back and watch it. I believe it's Wrestle Kingdom 7, but yeah, this low-key match was a lot shorter, and to me, not as good as that Wrestle Kingdom one, of course. Finally, let's shift our attention to WWE, and uh, the the. Sp- the moment everybody's been talking about over the last few days has been uh, the Stephanie McMahon-Becky Lynch confrontation. And again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, how people view things different ways. This is viewed in different ways. Yeah, you know what's weird is I don't know if my perception is being altered by reading things ahead of time. Like if I'm already making preconceived judgments. Like when people say it's really good. Before I watch the segment they're talking about, I have expectations that are kind of high from what I have read. I don't know. Maybe I should stop doing that, but I don't mean to do it anyway. Well, it's just because we didn't watch it live on right, Monday. Right, right. So when we go to watch it, I'm thinking that this whole Becky Steph thing is going to be really awesome. And everyone was comparing it to Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. Like, you know, obviously the authority angle that they kind of have done for years and years. There's never been such a great example of it as the original example mm-hmm. of it stone cold versus mcmahon they had such a great chemistry basically as heel and babyface against each other that was just like kind of one of the greatest angles in all of wrestling so to me my expectations were high like wow like you know S- stephanie is really gonna come down on becky she must be saying some bad things and but when we watched it, it it didn't come off like that to me like am i watching the same thing as everyone else i don't understand this injury angle i, I really don't why are they painting this like Becky doesn't want to go to the doctor. To me, it'd be kind of better if they did some kind of decisive angle where Stephanie and Triple H like are really against Becky and they don't want her to be in WrestleMania, but that's not how it was coming off. It was like, we want you to be in the main event. Just get examined by a doctor first. And she's like, no. Like, that doesn't make me feel sorry for Becky. I think the injury angle is kind of the wrong way to go. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I like the way Triple H played it up on SmackDown. I think... That may have even rescued things a little bit well, yeah, by that him helps. saying, you know, maybe you're afraid, you know, of, of being exposed kind of thing. You always have these convenient, you know, injuries, excuses and stuff. Uh, I look, I like the Becky Steph segment, but I get what you're saying. And that, you know, the other part of it that makes no sense is Steph, you know, was against Ronda Rousey last last time at WrestleMania. So. Is she suddenly favoring Ronda Rousey? Is Rousey like the corporate person? That part was confusing. 
Um, They're trying to paint it that way, I guess, so that you could be more sympathetic to Becky and... You know, that way it warrants the booze for Rhonda. But to me, they're not really painting it as Steph and Triple H are being evil enough. Right. Because they're still saying they're behind Becky. So the angle is not straightforward enough for me, for my liking. It kind of is muddying the waters a bit. And to me, if you want to paint Becky as the babyface, that's fine because she's super over. But paint her as a straight-up babyface instead of using this weird, murky injury angle that doesn't really... Like, just get checked out by the doctor. Like, to me, I'm just kind of more perplexed by the whole thing. And then more people talking about Rhonda coming backstage and having that interaction with Becky being like, thanks a lot, why'd you act so unprofessional and put our match in jeopardy by beating up Stephanie, you know? Right. And then people I saw on social media were saying, oh, that that's kind of doesn't make sense for Rhonda to even say because less than a year ago in her build to WrestleMania, she did the same thing to Steph. But to me, I thought it was different. It was warranted that she said that because... Because she was going to fight Stephanie. Yes, and also... Becky's not fighting Stephanie. She's fighting Ronda Rousey. Also, (laughs) Stephanie didn't say anything against Becky, whereas when Ronda was attacking Stephanie, she was all against Ronda. Right. And also trying to be like, you have to abide by our rules, and you're going to listen to us, and you're going to be our puppet. So to me, Stephanie was playing much more of the clear-cut heel, so... People saying, but yeah, Ronda did the same exact thing. Well, no, it was a little different because she was kind of in a match against Stephanie and she was literally being poked by Stephanie. Right. So to me, it's completely different. It's kind of hard to compare. Well, I, I there's plenty of theories out there. Is Becky's knee really hurt? You know, are they covering that? Is there going to be a way? Because Charlotte keeps chiming in on, on SmackDown. Is there a way that this is still going to end up being a triple threat? for the main event of WrestleMania. So I I think there's a lot that's going to play out here in the in the coming days and weeks. It's going to be interesting to see how they book this because I feel like they have to be careful because they could wind up booking themselves into a corner if they just continue one word. It's like they've got to play this the right way. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But let me kind of backtrack and say, I know I've said I'm not the biggest fan of Becky Lynch. It's okay if you guys are. That's perfectly fine. She's very over. Lots of people love her. And I don't hate her. She's just not my favorite of the four horsewomen. I mean, I just love Charlotte's wrestling and character so much. But you do like Becky. So I think we have two different opinions on Becky, but we both agree that this whole injury angle doesn't really make sense. So so I will say that it's not because I don't like Becky that I don't like this angle. It's because it doesn't make sense. You could do a better angle where she's kind of even more sympathetic. Well, it has nothing to do with my opinion on her. And that's why I don't really understand it. Because, yeah, I like Becky a lot. I like the character that they've done with her with this. Uh, it's clearly over with the crowd. Uh, her interactions, you know, whether it was with John Cena a few weeks ago. I think all that has been very good. At the same time, I can be critical of Becky Lynch. When she attacked Steph, her fists were like a foot away from her face. That was terrible. I don't like this story build. Just have all sorts of hatred between Rhonda and Becky. Rhonda is clearly not the fan favorite now. So play that up. Make make Rhonda the heel. Yeah. You know, introducing the Steph element to it, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure either. Like I said, like it feels like they're trying to recreate the Stone Cold and Vince thing. And to me, it doesn't work because it's not clear-cut enough right now with what they're doing currently. And also, why try to recreate something? 
do something new. She's over organically. You could do it in a different way. I saw a lot of people being like, yeah, I'm okay with this whole kind of reminiscent of McMahon and Stone Cold thing. I like it. I like that opening up to Raw. So I had these expectations that I'm going to see a segment that blows me away. And I just, I was left thinking, like I said before earlier in the show, am I watching the same thing as everyone else? Because I just had a different take on it. I think they could do the angle a little differently. Couple other WWE notes. EC3 makes his in ring debut after appearing on the uh, Moment of Bliss, uh, preceded by a little, another confrontation, sort of, between Nia Jax and Ambrose, which leads me to this question. Uh, by the way, EC3 beat Ambrose on a roll up in the ring. Could they or would they set up an Ambrose versus Nia Jax match? Is that a possibility? It is a possibility, but I don't know if they would actually pull the trigger and do it. That would be kind of gutsy, in my opinion. I'd like to see them do that. But, you know, with Ambrose leaving, maybe his whole losing streak and involvement with Nia has to do with them trying to kind of, like, embarrass him. I hate to even think that they're really trying to do that. Again, who knows? People are still speculating that the Ambrose thing is, is a work. And that he could be actually just staying in the company. And this whole he's leaving thing is like kind of like just a work. So it's all up for speculation. I could see him having a match against Nia and them even letting Nia win. If he really is leaving and they're trying to like punish him. Or not punish him, but embarrass him in a way. But why would they do that? He's done so much for that company. I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine them embarrassing him. I just don't think they want him going out <clears throat> winning. Maybe that's it's as simple as that. We don't want whoever's leaving to go out you know, on top right. because that weakens our roster kind right. of thing. I, I don't agree. know. Uh, again, Samoa Joe, tremendous on SmackDown, attacking everybody. Uh, I loved that, and uh, I love the direction with him. And while I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Bryan, I, I kind of like the direction they're going with this uh, whole, you know, savior of the earth turn and all and I, now the new belt and all that i think it's really unique and i didn't like it as, at first you know i was really skeptical of it but it's grown on me and i actually like the the new daniel bryan title <laughs> it's kind of unique i don't know he's doing some awesome different things and i don't know i think it's kind of like taking a risk and it's paying off because somehow he's making it work and to me that says a lot about the wrestler because you have to get something over like that, and he's doing it and successfully. I'll tell you what, I am really looking forward to that Elimination Chamber match that we're going to see live in in person in Houston with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Mustafa Ali, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton. I think that's going to be a great match. Yeah, I can't wait to see it live <laughs> and to speculate about it at St. Arnold at the Beer Garden before it even happens. So. Finally, uh, we'll wrap up this first segment. You just wanted to touch on NWA for a moment? Yeah, they're doing more things on their YouTube channel. They just added a new series called One Nation, and that's kind of focusing on Willie Mack. Of course, Willie Mack is the national champion for NWA, and he is somebody who we just said last week, we love Mack. Yep. And I just want to see more and more of him, not just in the ring, but behind the scenes. And it kind of painted him and his journey the last few years he wasn't really prominent but last year he got a big opportunity with ring of honor and then with nwa and he talked about how much that meant to him and how he loves being nwa national champion and how he's going to continue to defend the belt so we had the first episode of that check it out it really highlights willie mack and it makes you just love him even more yeah we've seen him in impact as well uh yep. he's he's had a great last six months i would say for sure where yeah. he's 
much more prevalent than maybe he's ever been. And, and we, yeah, as you said, we love him. So well deserved. Good to see him and uh, good to have a solid first segment hitting a bunch of different brands. But when we come back, we're going to look at AEW's latest news and get your thoughts on the new promotion when we continue on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. And now we're going to talk about all the things we learned from that AEW Las Vegas kind of press conference event. And boy, Kelsey, what a wild rally. So many big names being announced for AEW. Starts out with some guys... And girls that we've seen on a smaller scale, like Sammy Guevara, Kylie Ray. There's the announcement of um, more female stars, the collaboration with uh, AAA. But then Best Friends, which we had speculated might be uh, joining AEW, Lucha Brothers, and then, of course, uh, Excalibur, which you kind of predicted on your Periscope as being an announcement as the play-by-play person. But the big, big one that they ended the show with was Kenny Omega. Yeah, when Kenny came out, I was like, how could anyone doubt it for even one flipping <laughs> second? People predicting that he's going to be at the Rumble and abandon his friends. I said, no way. I said, no way right away that he would ever abandon his buds. And he was true. He really does believe in change the world because he showed up at the rally. And it was kind of electric. It was really awesome. And then, even better... You know, Jericho came out to challenge him. What do you think about that? I was so hyped. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I, we saw how great that match was in New Japan, and so I can't wait for the second installment of it. Uh, but speaking of New Japan, the one thing that scares me or concerns me, whatever, is whether North American interest will start to decline in New Japan with Kenny Omega leaving. Uh, best friends were a part of that, of course. I just wonder if North American interest will will wane a little bit when it comes to New Japan wrestling. I still think there's a possibility. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility that they could partner up. Hope so. I hope so too, but you know, that's just me pipe dreaming, I guess. We'll have to wait and see what really develops and how it's going to turn out. But something that I kind of predicted who knows? Maybe I've got a knack for finding out what's going to happen. <laughs> a couple of days ago, like you alluded to, someone asked me, who do you want on commentary for AEW? And they were throwing out names, all kinds of names. But nobody said this name, but I did, Excalibur. And if you guys don't know who he is, he does commentary for PWG quite often. And he did do commentary for All In, and he was awesome. Now, he is different because in PWG, I find that he's more silly and stuff. But he was very serious and professional 
up all in. And if you guys watched the rally, he was very professional mm-hmm. during that too. And I'm so excited for him to be a part of everything. He's one of my faves. And speaking of the rally, we saw the Lucha Brothers come out. Uh, what Much like we talked about earlier in the show about uh, their, their confrontation at MLW where uh, the Young Bucks said they were the second best tag team in the world. Lucha Brothers alluded to that and attacked them at the rally, setting the stage for that at double or nothing. So it's all shaping up to be pretty awesome. It really, really is, and I'm, like, so pumped right now. I'm, like, really excited. I don't know. But the main thing is Kenny Omega. Not the main thing, but one of the main things is Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. And it's ironic. You got a chance a few months ago to ask Kenny Omega about Chris Jericho, didn't you? Like I said, maybe I have some foresight or something because all he was doing was having a match with Jericho on the cruise, but it wasn't a singles match. It was a multi-man match. And I said, what the heck? I want to ask him about Jericho at Fighting Spirit Unleashed. You know, Jericho hasn't been around in New Japan for a while at that point. He hadn't defended the belt in quite a while. And I wanted to find Kenny's, you know, obviously scripted storyline opinion on Jericho but man having this point of reference after Jericho came up and beat him up it's kind of cool and it fits in perfectly with Jericho and Kenny now having their singles match I would like to play this interview for you guys now I'm really lucky to have had the opportunity to talk to Kenny and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it so here it is Jericho has a title but he hasn't been back to defend it but you're about to go on the cruise so you know talk a little bit about meeting up with Jericho again and him having a belt but not being around to defend it you know I'd love to talk about that but first I want to address the fact that she attacked me for no gosh darn reason yes he's got a belt so do I yes he's got a cruise I'm going to be on it the match has been decided it's not a singles but Jericho still feels like he has something to prove I escaped from the skin of my teeth at the Tokyo Dome. I don't feel like I'm better than Jericho. I feel like I barely escaped my life. Jericho put the hurt on me more than anyone else has in my career. Maybe even more than Ishii. And he proved that he still has a place in this business. At the top of the ladder. I would go so far as to say as, even though I've won... Jericho was one of the top of the men on my list to address an issue a championship defense match against. But that's a discussion for another day. So lots of news from AEW as they continue to stay on the public consciousness with signings and news and all kinds of exciting stuff. But now it's time for our extended discussion segment. It's time for Heads and Tails. Along those lines, we're going to continue the discussion about AEW, and it started with something you posted on Twitter when you asked, what makes you excited about AEW wrestling? How do you feel about AEW? Who do you want to see join? You said you're excited for it because you believe in the people behind it and what they're doing and believe in the change the world mentality. It'll be quality wrestling. Variety is awesome. So that's what you put out there, and a lot of people responded. Lots of people And I think we talked about this in the first block of this show. The opinion range is insane. Mm -hmm. People saying they're super excited. Other people saying, I want to wait and see. And then the opposite end of the spectrum, they're sick of hearing about it. (laughs) You know, it's already overhyped and overrated, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of different opinions. Like we said, though, that's what makes wrestling fandom great. We could all agree to disagree. And it's kind of fascinating to see all these different (laughs) 
opinions. So let's get right into it. First, our good friend Matt at Matt Coon Music. He said, I spend hours a week trying to convince Vince Russo about this. I agree a thousand percent, no doubt. And what he's agreeing with is variety is important. This is kind of like an exciting new venture. It will change things up. Then somebody responded to him at Nick C-A-R-O-C-C-I-A said, Come on, Matt. If you like that Circus Olay guys kicking out at 92 finishers stuff, great. But realize it's a niche audience. As a music guy, I'm sure there's bands, artists that you love that barely sell out small clubs. Then there's absolute garbage like you two selling out stadiums. What you like and what's going to change the game oftentimes are two different things. The six million lost ain't coming back for Ring of Honor 2, sorry to say. Example, I love Megadeth. Doesn't mean that they made a bigger impact on music overall than Madonna. You feel me, brother? (laughs) And then Matt kind of went on to say he agreed to disagree. And there's some valid points in that. Just because a small thing, we like it, doesn't mean that it's going to be a huge thing. But I think there's circumstances that doesn't match his reasoning there. Like, Tony Khan's backing. And if they get a great television deal, then it's a lot bigger than just, you know, a small band playing at a small venue kind of thing. You know what I mean? That becomes a little bit bigger. I'm not saying that they're going to take down WWE, and that's very important. I feel like we should distinguish between competition in the traditional sense of the word to a true alternative. That's what we're talking about, and that's why I'm excited for it. And uh, other people have opinions as well, and here's some of their other opinions. You just like the comment about you, too, because you hate you, too. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> At Booted Nova, taking a wait-and-see approach, I believe TNA would be the next big thing, and at one point it was heading in that direction. If they can avoid the stupid di- business decisions that TNA made, maybe they have a shot. I kind of agree with that because TNA was such a mess, even though they had so much talent. And I kind of agree. I'm going back to the way you said it at the beginning. I'm excited, but also take it, taking the wait and see approach. I'm not going full bore. I'm super excited. I'm going to take the wait and see approach too. And as we'll hear, there'll be other people who actually have the exact same feelings as you, like literally just like what you <laughs> just said. At RW Games Presents, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've seen a lot of promotions come and go. I like the move so far. I'm in wait-and-see mode. If they deliver, I will support them as much as humanly possible. So somebody who's kind of like on the same lines of you right there. Then we go on at Mike underscore Arant. I'm excited to see what could be another big player in the wrestling world. I think Cody and the Bucks will do great things with this company and will give lesser-known performers another landing place to showcase their talent. Very good points there. At Paul T5 Nerds Go, I'm excited in that it's another alternative for fans and wrestlers. That excitement is tempered by nervousness that they make more moves into New Japan's roster. They don't get a free pass. I already watch as much wrestling as I can, so they have to earn their place in my schedule. That might be my favorite comment because to me, I'm a huge supporter of the Bucks and what they do, but they even have to earn my eyes as big of a fan of them as I am because wrestling is so good right now. And I say that because there's so many different options and so many different things to watch and so many different ways to watch all of these promotions. That's why it's so good because we have the fans have the power to literally choose what we want to watch. If we're not feeling WWE, check out new Japan. If we're not feeling new Japan, tune into ring of honor, not feeling ring of honor. Watch one of your PWG DVDs, whatever. There's so many different options. Even this new MLW thing that we're just getting into, even though it's been around a long time, we're just getting into it. Why don't you check out MLW instead of watching WWE for a second or watching New Japan? So there's so many different ways. You've got to earn your fans. 
you've got to be good enough to warrant these people tuning in or spending money on an extra subscription, etc., etc. I guess we'll see with the roster the way it's coming together, though. Certainly seems like it is a doable uh, scenario that it will be part of our regular schedule for sure. And we'll see of course. who falls way by the wayside. Look, you know, as much as we're talking AEW, Impact has already gone by the wayside with us. Yeah. You know, we haven't been paying as much attention to that. Probably will at their next pay-per-view. Beyond that, so you know, there's there's only so many hours in the day, and we have jobs, so you know, you got to pick and choose what you're going to watch. Yep. At the tag team tease said, I just can't understand the WWE sucks, AEW can't come fast enough narrative. I'm pumped for AEW too. Should be great, but these aren't the only two choices. There's a ton of wrestling companies all doing pretty awesome stuff. Wrestling doesn't need saving. Expand your horizons. That's a good point by him. We don't need AEW to save things, but it certainly makes things exciting. It sure does. And then we've got another comment at Osborne Hotspur. I just don't get how someone can treat a company like a football club. I don't want any companies to fail. The more, the better. I'm here to watch good wrestling. We are all wrestling fans after all, right? I love that comment because, you know, like we've talked about all throughout this conversation, variety is important. Why not like everything? And if everything's good, then you've got a lot of options to watch as a wrestling fan. Then we've got Keith Learmonth. He says, I absolutely believe that AEW is overhyped, but I want to see them succeed. More televised wrestling with good production values is a good thing. I just wish people would stop talking about it as if it's a guaranteed WWE beater. Because, like, we've seen a former Intercontinental Champion backed by a rich family run a company with some of the world's top talents before, and it didn't even get close to beating WWE. Still gave some classic matches, though. He's got some good points there, but like we have been talking about in this conversation again, is that we don't think it is going to beat wwe we're not talking about it like it's going to beat wwe we're just talking about it like it could possibly be in the same universe as wwe it could be another big company like them and again like we said maybe push wwe to be better as well uh justin chapman says i totally agree can't wait to see where it goes i'm stoked still got an get an aew shirt Robert Britson says, I love it because maybe it can help fuel a resurgence in wrestling not seen since the late 90s in the mainstream. Also, having legit competition will force WWE into a better product, as I was just saying, I think as well. Also, for the talent themselves, having more work opportunities at a better salary and insurance coverage is great, too. He goes on to say, as long as Vince Russo isn't involved, AEW has a chance, LOL. (laughs) That's awesome, especially because we've got Matt Kuhn, who works with Vince. It's kind of funny. We've got someone bashing Vince and someone who works for Vince all on the same podcast. Then we end with Rob Williams. Couldn't agree more. Cody, Brandy, and the Bucks are all-class acts with amazing minds for the business. Just look how they are popping up at random wrestling shows to promote slash sign stars. It's going to be fantastic, and they all deserve it. Great thoughts. At... Kid Rye333, kind of taking a wait-and-see approach. Hopefully not another global force. At John SMI4560135, I'm simply excited about something new. I mean, you can't eat chocolate all day, right? And then at The Real Grizzle, I can't wait until people start jumping back and forth. I wish Kenny was going to WWE because that would be shocking, but either way. I do like that possibility of... You know, kind of like in the WCW days where 
shockingly people will show up on each other's shows because their contracts have ended. That part would be very exciting to me. Yeah, I know. And then we're talking, this could happen years down the line, too. I mean, it'll happen at the inception of AEW that you could see WWE people just pop up Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. But eventually, you know, AEW people might want to go back to WWE. And that's where you'll see, if AEW is successful and has, like, a kind of longevity, you'll see this crazy WCW, WWE, F slash WWE type of situation. It's so exciting. There's so many like possibilities if this grows into what I think it could be. So then we go on with the comments and the opinions, and we have at Super Nick six six. Until I personally see a show, it's nothing to <laughs> me. That's pretty harsh, but I guess I can respect that. You got to see something before you make a judgment on it. At Ring of Tyler. Competition is always good for wrestlers and wrestling fans. I want to see young, unknown talent used in new and innovative ways in AEW. Based on the pulse of the industry, I like that the talent feel like they have options, which AEW has created. At Bama underscore Stew, I expect focus on the art of professional wrestling from AEW. When done right, it is the perfect blend of action, drama, and comedy. I want to see talents given freedom to perform their art as they see fit on a large scale. Agree with all of that. At Real FN Game, AEW is doing its job in getting people talking and excited. Now to when it becomes a full reality. People have another wrestling company to turn to. Fickle people should give it a chance before dissing it. Well... We agree with that on all fronts in wrestling. Don't uh, don't disparage a promotion if you haven't watched it, if you haven't given it your time, right. just by word of mouth or whatever, or just because you're so loyal to one brand or another. And we're trying not to do the opposite as well. We're trying not to overhype it because there are things we have to be cautious about. We don't want to overpraise, overhype it. We don't know yet. So, so we have to be careful to not do either end of the spectrum, which is what you and I are kind of trying to do. At Zalanthus89, TBH, to be honest, I'm not really excited for AEW. I love Cody, the Bucks, and everyone else, but I'm just eh, meh about it. It feels predictable and safe. I feel honestly going to WWE would have been their leap of faith together. They could have at least tested it with WWE, then AEW. I have to respectfully disagree with that. I don't think going to WWE would have been as big of a risk. Because to me, I mean, in a way, yes, it wouldn't necessarily be safe because they could be misused. But, like, putting your own money into a such a big kind of different venture that you're unsure of how it's going to turn out, that's a huge risk. And to me, that's the most unsafe bet is to kind of put all of your resources into something and it could fail. But they've got so much faith in themselves that they are willing to take that risk. So to me, yeah, WWE, that would have been a risk in a way. Because, you know, they would have had to bet on themselves and that they could get over even in that system that's established. But to me, no, putting your money where your mouth is, that's a huge thing. And that's what they're doing. So I got to just respectfully disagree there. And we go on at old school pants. I agree with Teddy. I'm just meh at the moment. For me, there's a lot of hype. As JR might say, I see a lot of sizzle, but I don't see any steak. Show me your television program, your talent roster, your storytelling. There are too many variables and questions for me to get too hype. I understand having like kind of like a a cautiousness about it like we were talking about. But to me, we've seen some of their talent roster and I'm liking what I see so far. Like Jimmy, Jimmy flipping havoc. (laughs) Come on, man. I'm so excited about that. I mean, Chris Jericho, that's a huge get for them. I wasn't expecting Jericho to literally say he signed a five-year deal with them. That's a very long deal. 
and he's somebody who could have easily just gone with what he was used to and kept doing what he was doing with WWE. He had a good deal there. But, you know, he took a big risk with AEW. Obviously, he believes in what they're doing. And we've seen a type of their storytelling before with being the elite. They've been able to tell big stories, but yes, we have to see that on a larger scale pay off. And we don't know about their TV program yet, but there's hints that they're going to have a major deal. There's people reporting, like Dave Meltzer, for instance, saying that there's two legitimate deals right. on the table, apparently. Now, that's just what we're hearing. We don't know for sure. At the Jim Cerny. Very excited. I also feel that competition will make the WWE a better product as well. Which I kind of agree with on the WWE front. And and we're already starting to see a little more commitment to the wrestling. Although there's still a bunch of goofy story angles. But some of the wrestling, they're starting to promote wrestlers like Mustafa Ali and guys who have wrestling talent. I did a Periscope recently, and I talked all about WWE getting better. And I'm not saying that it's 100% because of AEW. We also kind of hinted at this last week on our show. I think it has to do with not just, you know, probably wanting to be a little bit better, to engage with their audience more, but I think some of it can be attributed to AEW in that they want their wrestlers to see that they can thrive there and that their product can be good and that they can be creatively satisfied just as much as AEW. So I think not that it's competition per se, like they're threatened, but they want to be just as appealing to the wrestlers on their roster Mm -hmm. as AEW might be. Yeah. I mean, look, we even heard back years ago when NXT started having these takeovers, the guys on the main roster were jealous because they were getting to wrestle and, and not just do goofy storylines and goofy jokes. And, you know, they were doing crazy, you know, super technical, super high-flying wrestling that the main roster wasn't getting to do. Maybe that's what AEW will will force the WWE roster to do as well. Yeah. At Mr. Geeky Designs, I like anything that helps wrestling grow and challenges the big leagues to be better. At Dave Pazewski says, I'm excited about it because it represents a new dynamic in the wrestling industry. If these guys making a brand-new company to answer the growing frustration felt out there that people want something new. If competition breeds creativity, I hope things get creative soon. Change the world, Dave says. Yep, that's what I said too. <laughs> then we've got at Brian Koval. The Bucks have been my favorite tag team for years. I have always believed Cody was something special. What they did at All In was amazing. I wanted more, and now they are giving me more. Very exciting stuff. And yeah, All In had a very awesome feel if you were there live like us. Mm -hmm. There was just something special about what they were doing. And now I hope they can carry that feeling over into this launch of this new venture because that was something special. And if they could recreate it, I think that's a good sign for what they could do and accomplish as a company. So at Deej Kirkby says, I'm excited for what AEW may be potentially, but I'm also cautious because of the sheer fact we've been here before with an upstart claiming to change the wrestling world. I also think fans are overhyping AEW almost to the point of it being the second coming. And I think he's got a point because, you know, there's people without any evidence being like, it's the greatest thing ever. But Deej kind of followed that up and he told me that he thought that I was being very fair and that I was being optimistic but still not overhyping which I am very proud to say because I don't want to overhype it because there are concerns you have to be careful and there's pitfalls that the Bucks and Cody are going to have to avoid so that they can become successful yeah no I, I, I was going to say remain successful but they haven't started so they have to become successful and again with the, t- the news about two major TV potential deals out there with the way the roster is coming together 
there's reason to be optimistic, but also be cautious till you see it happen. Right, exactly. Then we've got at metal underscore 2006, who has a lot of great points. What makes me excited about AEW is seeing the talent like Dr. Britt Baker on my TV every week, bi-weekly, once a month, whatever. She's getting exposure. Same with MJF and Joey Janela. I knew about Baker, but the other two, All In, is what casted a light you know, and casted them into my radar to watch. Seeing talent that I've never heard of, like Jungle Boy, all the gifts I've seen of him, I'm really excited now that they've added him to the roster. The roster they can put together with some of the people from WWE, Impact, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, and others that are looking for a new home is exciting. The dream matchups we can get out of this promotion is awesome. The fact that there might be healthcare factored into the contracts. Overall, I feel the people they are going to go there are going to be happy and are going to have fun. That's some great points there. At Wrestling X Fan, I'm so excited on how it'll work, but I'm also happy that there will be quite the change of the product at the hands of Cody. Man has done a lot, and now I believe is the right time for him to work his magic behind the scenes. At Senior TMZ, I'm super excited at the idea of a new major wrestling promotion. I would be very excited if they were to bring in Kenny and Dean, as many have speculated. I hope that AEW can bring the quality wrestling and have creative that breaks the mold of what WWE fans have become accustomed to. And at Saints Fan 51797J, it's an alternative from WWE and will change the game. As far as talent goes, Ambrose, Omega by default, Chucky e. T, Trent Beretta, just some of the top off the top of my head. So much potential for the future Bucks and Cody could have something special. It's a lot of names, it's a lot of talk. How will the creative and the wrestling work with a TV deal? So it's all we got to wait and see, but all that is reason to be, like you said earlier, optimistic. At Baker underscore show, I'm hopeful for a TV deal announcement to come soon. That is absolutely crucial for growth and expansion of their audience. I agree. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. If it was possible to agree to a billion percent, I would. Plus, other than Kenny, obviously, one or two big surprise talents would be outstanding. I'm optimistic and hopeful. But like you said... You've got to have those things happen. The television deal, like he said, has to happen. It has to be a big, good one. Remember, I said that back with Ring of Honor that, you know, they were too scattered and hard to find and, you know, whether you're on local TV or whatever. So if they can be on especially a major cable network, whether it's TBS, whether it's TNT, whether it's FS1, although I would think Fox wouldn't want to be involved since they're already, already in with SmackDown and WWE, but... You know, CBS Sports Network, something like that, NBC Sports Network, you know, get on some sort of a major platform that's on most cable providers. You are one of the most emphatic (laughs) preachers of you need to have a good TV deal to be successful in wrestling right now. You've said that for like the last year, really, but really you've been talking about impact, but now we're talking about a different promotion, but it's still the same point. Yeah. I mean, look, David Lagana told us at All In you know, you can have your own TV channel by having YouTube or whatever. And that is true. But I still feel that if you can get on a major TV platform where it's easy for people to turn on at home, you know, maybe in a sports bar, whatever, I think that still adds a lot more to the product. It adds a lot more to the product, and that's how, you know, people are using the word competition. The only way to become a true alternative on that level, or even in the same universe as WWE, is to be on a channel like that. Because being on a channel like that is how you get exposed to the casual viewer. Mm -hmm. The viewer who's already casually watching WWE, but who could maybe be sucked in to the type of product that's a little different, but still familiar enough 
to tune into AEW and to stay tuned in. That's where you could possibly get your crossover appeal. And, you know, if anyone could do it, I have faith that the Bucks could because what they've done with merchandise with the Hot Topic deal, they have kind of crossed into popular culture in a way, crossed into the non-wrestling factor a little bit. But with a mainstream channel, they could do it even more and get more casual people tuned in. Because it's easier when you're sitting at home with your TV remote and you're flipping through the channels to stop on something as opposed to going and seeking it out online. You know, there's a big difference between just flipping through TV channels. Oh, wrestling's on. I'll watch a little bit of this. Just like, you know, anything else. Oh, there's a good hockey game on. Whatever. If you're flipping through the channels, it's easier to find than going, all right, I'm going to go to this website. I'm going to go to Twitch. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to seek this out. Getting casual people who may just be wrestling fans, who may not even know much about AEW. Oh, what is this promotion? Right. Oh, my God, look at the Young Bucks. Who are these guys, you know? Not just flipping through the channels, which is a very viable possibility. I think word of mouth, casual people telling other people, like, oh, man, so, you know, I heard about this show on whatever channel, and, man, it's kind of like WWE, but it's really different. Check it out. And them just having to tune into a channel at a set time, a channel that everyone gets easily, Mm -hmm. that's a big difference from having to go and subscribe, having to remember a website name, having a kind of random or obscure second tier Mm -hmm. channel this is a big difference and it's all about ease of viewing because that's how you get the casual fans casual fans are not going to go out of their way like us to go sign up for new japan world or make sure that they have access tv which not everyone gets which i wish they would give it a chance and try to seek it out but not everyone's like that and this is what would take them from just another company to another big league company i'm not saying true competition that they're going to take down i don't think it's about taking down people are getting so incensed and i think it's because the idea of people preaching that they're going to take down wwe that's not even what i'm wanting to see i want to see variety in wrestling variety is the spice of everything it makes everything better if you don't feel like watching wwe there's an alternative that's what i think it provides i don't want to see wwe fail and go out of existence nor do i think that's even a plausible possibility anytime in the next 10 20 30 years maybe ever i just want to see another company do well and succeed i want to see all the companies do well and i think aew will just make it better for the fans to have more to watch but also for the wrestlers to have more places to work and bargaining chips at miracle michael m look until there is a tv deal announced and touring dates are set in stone it's a glorified merchandise <laughs> company stop putting the cart in front of the horse and really get excited when the bell rings and we get our first lockup. double or nothing doesn't count it's all in part two and i understand that's the other end of the spectrum it's kind of like taking a kind of <laughs> you know opposite look on things and more skeptical but that's okay i like the skepticism though <laughs> i know i mean it's okay to be skeptical at phoenix njpw Considering the business sense, the backing, the resources, and the passion that they all bring to the table, I'm really excited about the future of AEW. You have focus on tag teams, women, indies, storytelling, and shining a spotlight on new and -and up-and-coming talent. Combining all of that is a powerful packed situation with a huge groundswell of excitement from the fan base, and it's off to a great start on that alone. Then you have All In 2 with StarCast again, better production for uh, YouTube and road to episodes, and money to really make an impact. So their first year will be a big success, I think. The question is longevity, for which only time will tell. As a new promotion, they'll inevitably have missteps they'll learn from, I think, and hope they'll be around for a long time, but we'll have to see how it all plays out. 
So then we go to a very negative take. <laughs> At Urson DeRoche, he says, I'll participate. I literally couldn't care less about AEW. <laughs> I'm so tired of kids thinking the dark matches will be five stars and Vince McMahon will finally be out of business. It's ridiculous. 2019 wrestling Twitter is noise. You discovered what change the world means, Kelsey? Could you smarten us up? I thought it meant Kenny's love for Abushi. Guess I was wrong. <laughs> so I got really angry at this, even though I love Urson. I disagree completely because I think it's okay to be skeptical. I think it's okay to even be negative, but to bash people who are excited for it, I think is a little extreme and strong. And um, to say that everyone talking about it is noise is also kind of a strong statement when it's kind of the most unique thing that's happened in a long, long time. It's kind of, I think the talk is warranted. Whether or not it's negative or positive, the speculation alone is kind of fun to participate in. And as far as me using the hashtag change the world in my original post asking for everyone's opinions on AEW, I take change the world to mean, and actually, funnily enough, I haven't listened to Killing the Town in months, but I recently did listen to it again used to be one of my favorite podcasts, but Kenny Omega was interviewed by Don Callis, and he talked about the meaning of Change the World, how it kind of started off as, like, a general statement, like, you know, you could kind of be different and do whatever you wanted, be unique. And that's what I took it to me, kind of like a general meaning. But now, kind of, All Elite Wrestling has adopted that phrase and started using it as, like, almost like their slogan. So it's taken on a more specific meaning for them. Like, you know, we're going to challenge things, we're going to change the landscape. But it started off as a different type of meaning. But yeah, kind of, t he was insinuating that I was using it like, I don't know what I'm talking about. It almost felt like an <laughs> insinuation. It's fine, you know, I understand. But I think there's nothing wrong with changing things up. There's nothing wrong with being excited about it. You can question it, too. But um, don't bash people for being excited, you know? I just don't get that. Then we end it all with a more positive statement. <laughs> Red Rebel of Death, excited to see what happens, tired of people arguing about it. Most of the time, both sides are wrong. I kind of like that because he's like, you know, there's everyone's arguing. I don't like that. And I don't like it either. I, but I do like the speculation as long as it's done with respect and everyone's okay. Because like I said, it's okay to agree to disagree as long as you treat the other person with their due respect. Well, and uh, I, I'm with him. Uh you know, I don't think there has to be negativity one side or the other. I think if you're a wrestling fan, you should be excited about it. It's more wrestling. It's going to be more good wrestling. Yep, I think that too. All right, well, it's uh, time to close out the show and send them home. And Kelsey, what do you got? Well, if you guys are watching this on YouTube and not just listening to the audio, you'll see that Paul is wearing a new shirt. It's the Orlando Apollo shirt. And that, of course, is one of the teams in the AAF, which stands for... The Alliance of American Football. It's a new football league that has popped up. Why are we talking about football on a wrestling <laughs> show? Well... If you guys remember the XFL, that was one of Vince's projects. It's one of his babies. And it was also an alternate football league back in the day, in the early 2000s. But it failed. Then later on, there was an XFL 30 for 30 about it, kind of highlighting why it failed and all this stuff about it. And then soon after the documentary, they announced that they were going to relaunch the XFL in 2020. Funnily enough, the director of that XFL documentary was the son of the guy who launched XFL with Vince. His name was Charlie. So Charlie was the son of Dick Ebersol. Dick worked with Vince. How does this all have to do with AAF? 
Well, Charlie has launched the AAF, which is direct competition to Vince's relaunch of the XFL. It's all very weird. I thought they were all family friends. What does us all mean? Well, you'll have to tune into our show next week. We're going to delve in very deep into this AAF versus XFL discussion. But we're actually going to an AAF game this weekend, so we'll have first-hand experience of what it was like with this league to be there live in person. And we'll speculate what XFL is going to be like and compare it to AAF and our experience there. Yep, league kicks off this weekend, and we're going to the first-ever game between uh, Atlanta and Orlando, down in Orlando. Looking forward to it and looking forward to uh, talking about it, comparing it to the new XFL, the old XFL, and... uh, whether people just are excited about spring football in general, uh, the AAF, their expression is football doesn't have to end when the Super Bowl ends, I believe, is, is the expression or something close to that. So a week after the Super Bowl, a whole new football league kicking off, and we will be there. Uh, I'm going to close out the show with something that happened uh, during Royal Rumble weekend, and it aired this past Saturday on the WWE Network. It is WWE Worlds Collide, and I really like this premise on two fronts. You'll remember I said on the show months ago that WWE needs to embrace tournaments like New Japan. You know, New Japan has uh, G1. They have the World Tag League, Best of Super Juniors. And they have these events that go on for uh, four weeks, six weeks. You know, and it really keeps the product, I think, from getting stale. And I think this should be the launching off point of something for WWE where they do more tournaments, especially among 205 Live and NXT and NXT UK. I loved this premise, and I would love to see it expanded into a longer format where they do it for weeks on end and have crossover of talent. I think it would, first of all, give 205 Live a huge boost too, if you had some crossover talent there as well. So I really hope that Worlds Collide is a jumping off point to more tournaments from WWE. I know this was all contained at Access and something that they did at Royal Rumble Access and a way to do live shows there. But I hope it's an idea that they will expand on. Yeah, I thought the Worlds Collide premise was really unique and interesting. And another thing that I thought was awesome that NXT was involved with was Halftime Heat. And actually, it was way better than the actual Halftime Show, which we (laughs) did watch live was the Halftime Show instead of Halftime Heat. We watched that later. But yeah, the only redeeming part of the actual Halftime Show was Big Boy. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) He's my boy! But besides that, it was not worth watching at all, in my opinion. We should have tuned in to Halftime Heat because that really was awesome. That was great. They were like firing on all cylinders. It was really fast. And everyone got to shine in that match it was really kind of like a highlight what all those guys could do and they, they looked great and they did it at the performance center i don't know if they did a whole event i guess where people could watch the super bowl and then at halftime watch the show i don't know how they did it the only problem with it was uh they didn't have all the best camera angles because i guess they're not used to doing a show in there but i think that was well received and i think we're going to see halftime heats going forward as well another yeah. thing we'll hopefully see more of from wwe in addition to the world's collide Yeah, I hope so, but man, that's far away in the future. (laughs) We'll have to wait till next year to see. But right now, it's time to say goodbye. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you listening to us, watching us on YouTube. 
And uh, we're looking forward to being back with you next week. Yep, we appreciate your time as we do every week. It's very valuable. And now it's time for us to uh, close our time out with you and say goodbye. That's it for us. That's the finish. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.